Don't you just love what you do? You know, I'm so glad I was born. I used to not feel that way, but honest to God, I am so glad I was born. And I'm getting to live and I'm getting to fulfill my destiny. And I don't have to be an orphan mindseted person anymore. And for those of you who aren't here today, if you pull out your sheets, we'll run through this really, really quick as a review. An orphan, let me... Let me just uh, give you the definition of an orphan. If y'all can put the PowerPoint back up there, please, I'd appreciate that. If you could get my PowerPoint going, I'm going to need that off and on all night. There you go. Displacing the orphan heart. Could you go to the slide that defines an orphan heart by Henry Nowen? Um, it just scrolled down through it. I'll go ahead and define it while they're finding the slide. But anyway, the orphan heart defined. And an orphan heart just, you know, for some people, how do you get an orphan heart? I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. How can I be an orphan? I want to say this to you right now. You are a son. If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, we're not trying to regain sonship. You can't regain something that you never lose. You know, you don't lose your sonship. What we're trying to do is not cast out a demonic spirit. When we talk about the orphan, I like to call it an orphan mindset, an orphan, a heart attitude. I don't believe it's a spirit. I believe it can be influenced by a demonic spirit. But when we talk about that, you can't cast out an orphan spirit because there's no such thing in my opinion. It's a, it's a mindset. It's a heart attitude. So how do you get rid of an orphan mindset? You displace it with love. You know, you displace it with a belief structure. First, you have to identify it, though. If you don't know you have an orphan mindset, but yet your behavior continually does this and produces this, this, and this, then <coughs> you have an orphan mindset. So how do you get rid of it? That's what we're going to talk about tonight is how do we find our way home. Everybody's looking for the home. Can I touch you? Is that okay? That safe place in the heart of a loving father. Everybody wants to feel safe. But for so many people, home represents pain. You know, because we've been hurt and wounded by those responsible to help grow us up. And when that has happened, we can either stay stuck and wired to our childhood pain, or we can come out from underneath that and live our life as a son with all the blessings and the inheritance of a home, a, a home of sonship. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But you can't, you can't build and plant until you uproot, tear down, overthrow, and destroy your thinking habits, your habit patterns of thinking. <coughs> and that's what we dealt with this morning. I call it, and I love how you guys call it, better than I like what I call it. I call it, you know, we talked about the root issues to orphan thinking. We have nine root issues to orphan thinking. I like what you guys say. They took, you guys just have such an amazing team around here. I just gave this out this morning. Somebody grabbed this thing, and they call it the nine patterns of an orphan mindset. Doesn't that sound better for this day and age? It really and truly is more friendlier, I think. <laughs> So I like that, so I'm going to steal this. Whoever did this, I just want you to know I'm stealing it. But anyway, real quickly, I want to go through what is an orphan mindset. This is the definition of an orphan mindset defined. A feeling that you don't have a safe and secure place in a father or mother's heart, whether it's natural or spiritual. It's a feeling where you feel like you're not loved, valued, protected, matured, and affirmed into your destiny. 
I said a little bit different, but there it is up there. It's by Henry Nouwen. I love Christian mystics. Any of you guys in here like mystics? Oh, my gosh, I love, I love Star Trek. I love sci-fi. I love the dunes. I love all that kind of crazy things. That's why I'm weird. It's not just because I'm normally weird. <laughs> I love all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's Henry Nouwen's definition. So let's look at these nine patterns of an orphan mindset. And if you could go down to that slide, please. The root issues of orphan thinking. Number one, real quickly. The first root issue. How did we become, I mean, how did we start thinking like an orphan? You know, we have been given all the things of the kingdom. What on earth has happened that we begin to act like an orphan? It's what's up here. It is what's up here. That's why Paul, you guys know that two-thirds of, of Paul's uh, teachings were written on renewing the mind. You know, we're so against inner healing. I'm not against inner healing. I'm all for it. You know, I know. I know that ultimately I'm going to get to the building and planning. But there's something about renewing your mind. Why do you re need to renew your mind? Because somebody hurt you. I've never met a person that's never been hurt or wounded. And out of that wound, you just relive it and you rethink it until it becomes your destiny. It's never your truth, but we make it our reality. When the Word of God says that's not our reality. So real quickly, let's run through this. Number one, the first pattern or root issue to orphan thinking is we focus upon the faults that we see in parental authority. Your mom and dad, anybody in here, mom and dad, ever make you mad? <laughs> you want to throat punch them, right? I don't care if it is mom and dad. Some of us outgrow our moms and dad. I'm only five foot two. All of my kids are way taller than me. <clears throat> And you want to, you know, you don't, the Bible says, honor your mom and dad so the days of your life will be long. Sometimes I don't want to live long if I've got to honor them. I mean, I'm just being truthful. Right. You know, that's, that's where the world is at. We got to stop blaming mom and dad for everything. I'm not saying that we don't look at pain long enough to get forgiven, released, and repented of so that we can move forward into our destiny. So when we constantly focus on the immaturity or the shortcomings of our parents, it keeps us stuck in an orphan mindset. Number two, there's a lot more. That's why I want to encourage you to get the book from Slavery to Sonship. All these charts are in here. All this teaching is in there. Much more than I can do in a weekend. Um, so number two. The second pattern of an orphan mindset is we receive our parents' faults as personal rejection. You know, do you think your mom and dad got up this morning and they set out to hurt you? Really? But they do. Why do they hurt you? Probably because they've been hurt and wounded and they act in and out of their learned behavior cycle of pain we have a chart that we call it's in my book which i forgot to whatever there's i there's would you get that for me and you know what you get to give it to whoever you want to give it to all right so everybody <laughs> you're welcome and so are you there's a cycle of pain in that book, and it talks about how we recycle garbage all the time in our minds. We recycle pain constantly in our mind until it becomes who we are. It becomes how we act. And it's going to take somebody to put their foot down and say, I'm not going to recycle this anymore. 
It's the one time in your life where re not recycling is a good thing. <laughs> Throw your recycle buckets away. So, <clears throat> uh, number three, the third pattern of orphan mindset is then we lose basic trust, the ability to keep our heart open to parental and spiritual authority. Let me say something. If somebody hurts and wounds you, you're going to trust them again? Huh? You've been hurt and wounded, thrown away, disappointed, dismissed, whatever it is. You're going to trust that person again? I don't think so. You know, but trust and forgiveness and memory are three different things. You know, I can forgive you. I may not forget what you did, but I can forgive you. But doesn't mean I have to trust you unless Father God has called you to be a spiritual authority in my life. And then we got to work together. We got something to work on. We got something to work on. But we can work through it. I mean, I'm going to tell you some stories in a little while about how I had to work through some of the spiritual authorities stuff in my life, you know. Now, nobody's ever had to work through spiritual authority stuff with me. <laughs> and if you believe that. Number four, the fourth root issue, the fourth pattern of an orphan mindset. Then we take on an independent and self-reliant attitude. You disappointed me. I won't trust you anymore. I'll do it all myself. I can fix it all by myself. I don't need you. That's something I stepped into after Jack died. You know, Jack's not here. Felt abandoned by him. I felt abandoned by my father. I will do it. I will make, I will keep Shiloh Place alive. I will keep the message alive. I will increase everything. See, my motive was wrong. My motive was wrong. And so I had to repent. One of the things I had to repent of is a self-reliant, independent, control-type attitude. Imagine that. Mwah. Number five. Some of you, you know, if you spot it, you got it. Just so you know. <laughs> Number five. The fifth root issue. Then our relationships become superficial as we fear opening our hearts to people. If you wounded me... And I've developed, and I've judged you for that wound. I might have developed an expectation for you to wound me again. So I'm not going to trust you, not right away, until this is dealt with. And so my relationship with you now is new sports and weather. How are you? Fine. <laughs> Christian F word, excuse me. It's a bad word. It really and truly is when you tell people you're fine and you're not really fine. Because it's these people, it's these people, it's these people that have been called to help you understand this, this, these issues and to change how you think, you know, how you whatever. Number six, then the next thing that happens is we put up, we end up putting demands on relationships as we seek to get these unhealed needs met. In other words, I've been wounded, I've been hurt, you did it. There's a gaping wound, but I see some sort of healing in Marlene, so I'm going to go over here and plug my IV into Marlene because she's got some sense of stability, and I need that. What am I doing here? I'm sucking the life out of her. It's like two ticks and no dog. You can't win. You just absolutely can't win. So I'm going to put my, I'm going to start seeking my father to meet this love need in my life. And then he's going to send spiritual moms and dads, brothers and sisters into my life as I first trust him. 
is I first bring this orphan mindset to him. The next thing that happens, the next pattern of an orphan mindset. I really love that, pattern of an orphan mindset. The next thing that happens, do you see the progression here on this sheet? That there is a real progression. Number seven, we find great difficulty then receiving love. You, you might hurt me again. We'll move away from you. And we close our heart to the very person that we feel like has hurt us or wounded us instead of going to that person and forgiving that person and dealing with the pain, the woundedness, so that I think like a son, so that I think like a daughter, and I'm not going to think like an orphan. And the next thing that happens when we have a pattern of an orphan mindset, we begin, if we're not getting our needs met, and we talked about there's four needs that everybody has, and I, I look at those needs with the acrostic slap. You know, look at your neighbor and slap them. Is that okay? Slap them. You like that too much. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> slap means it's... Um, Four basic needs that everybody has, and S is security, L is love, A is affirmation, and P is purpose. We all have those needs. And when we've been wounded, when we've been hurt, especially by people that should understand our identity, our spiritual parents, our natural parents, those people that have to, should be helping to grow us up, when they wound us, when they hurt us, it's hard to keep our heart open to them. It really and truly is. So... If those needs aren't being met, then what happens is we tend to slide into what we call counterfeit affections, which is number eight. Here's what counterfeit affections are. I can't talk. Number one is possession. Number two is passion. Number three is position. Number four is people. Five, place. Six, power. Have you ever seen anybody that they find their identity in what size house they have? what kind of car they drive. There's nothing wrong with having good stuff. I live in a really nice house and I drive a really nice car. Thank God for the provision that he has for me. But my identity is not rooted in how much I have or where I live. You know, and if it is, it's a counterfeit affection. How about passion? You know, we all have a desire to love and be loved. But if you stick your IV into somebody that, that, that you're just trying to suck the life out of them and you're not trying to build with each other, guess what? It's not as counterfeit for intimacy and love. And the position thing. Met, ever met anybody that lives for the praise of man? Just give me a pat on the back. And they'll just, they'll just follow you around or whatever just so you can say, attaboy, good job. Instead of going to my father first, I know I do a good job. I know I live a great life now, but I didn't always believe that. But now I do. Why? Because my identity is plugged into my purpose, his plan for our life. Guys, this is the church that we're becoming. You know, we're not all there yet because it's a process. You know, stay in your process. You know, you're not, you may have a supernatural breaking forth today in one area of your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have something happen tomorrow. Stay in your process. You haven't messed up because you may have gotten out of your process for a moment. The other thing is people. 
If only my spouse were like this. I said this today. I used to have women, when Jack was alive, he was such a great-looking guy, and I used to have women come up to me all the time. Oh, my gosh, it must be awesome to be married to him. This is just, this must be like living in heaven. I wish I was married to him. And I looked at, I got fed up. <laughs> and I looked at a lady one time, and I told her, I said, I wish you were married to him, too. She hushed. He's a great man, but he's in heaven today. Thank you, Lord. Places, if I just had a different boss, a different job, a different church. That's a counterfeit affection. Why can't you be happy right where you are right now? You know, if you deal with, with what's going on right now, you can be happy. Because here's the, here's the kicker. You take you with you everywhere you go. So if you got an orphan mindset, you're going to take it with you to your next job, your next church, your next relationship. Don't be so quick to divorce. Don't be so quick to dismiss and put away somebody. Now, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse are two things that I say. If you're being physically abused or sexually abused, get out. Get out of that relationship. Let God fix it later. And the last one, power. Control over your own destiny. As long as you're in control, who can't be in control? Father God. And the last, the last pattern of an orphan mindset is that orphans constantly look and hope that they will find that place where they feel like they belong. They're always on a journey trying to find it instead of realizing they were born into it. You were born into sonship. You know? You may have some negative behavior. You may have some woundedness in your life. But guess what? You were born into an inheritance of sonship. So why don't we act like sons? Those patterns. Those habit patterns of our flesh. And that's why I'll tell you guys, that was awesome that they did this sheet. If I were you guys, I have, you know, I have the books. I have thousands of books, and so I'm reminded of this every day. I take this home and laminate it and put it on my mirror. And every time I start acting like an orphan, I'd go, wait a minute, I'm on number six. Okay, I know what to do. I know what to do. It takes, it takes renewing your mind. If you're not willing to renew the mind, you're probably going to stay stuck in your situational circumstance. Say, is that good? Are you guys okay? I'm meddling now, aren't I? But you see, I, I'd love to stick my nose in your business. I do. I love it. Because I know what the Father has told me you can be. That's why these prophetic words, that whole thing about trumpeting, the gentleman last night up here on stage, Tim, they got the word that he got about he's going to step into some things that's going to be a little bit different or whatever, and he told me his story later. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about that until after the fact. So God has given me the ministry of nosiness. <laughs> And again, I want to say this, dealing with issues of the orphan heart, the orphan mind, is not a one-time event. You will, you will deal with things more than one time. You know, don't be so hard on yourself. People get so hard on themselves and then they quit. Give yourself some grace. There's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of grace out there. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you, never has been mad at you, can't think evil about you. So give yourself some grace. I love that. I wish somebody told me that years ago. You know, I wouldn't have lived the life that I lived for the first part of my life feeling like I had no value. 
feeling like you were out to get me. Always out, somebody's always out to get me. I would have just thought, you know what, even if you're against me. Luke 6, said, blessed are you when people are against you. Right. Pat, everybody in this room has got somebody against you, right? Pat yourself on the back. You're blessed. Don't worry about them. Give them over to God. Uh-oh. Get them, God. Amen. He does a better job than you do. All right, so tonight we want to go into, if we can go down to the next um, aspect of that PowerPoint. We want to get in, I'm gonna, quickly I'm going to go through some truths to follow. Do you want to experience a homecoming? You know, all of us that have an orphan mindset, don't you want to experience and feel that place to where you feel safe, valued, affirmed into your destiny? I do. That's me. Sweetheart, what's your name right there? You knew you were going to get a word tonight, I think. You just kind of knew you were going to get something tonight. You, remind, you have an expectation, I guess is what I'm saying. You have an expectation to be blessed, to be favored. You don't have to fight with that. So everywhere you go, you're going to start being blessed. and you, you already are, but there's increase. I just keep feeling like for you, there's increase coming because of the expectation inside of you, sweetheart, is growing. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's getting so big, it's already popped and overflowing on, on to other people. You guys need to get around her. I have no idea what, what kind of ministry or whatever you're involved in, but I'm just saying there's an expectation for the blessings of God to chase. The Bible says that it will chase you down. I love the fact that God's chasing me. He's always chasing me. Uh, you remind me of my friend that's a pastor's wife. Um, her first name just went right out of my head. Martin's, Harold Martin's wife, Becky. You remind me of my friend Becky, and she just had the greatest loss in her life because her husband died. I'm not saying, I don't know if you're married, I'm not saying your husband's dying or any of that kind of stuff. No. <laughs> Cut that free. Um, nothing like that. But I just feel like that there has been a loss, maybe even back, in time somewhere there's been a, a really great loss in your life and and I know that you've forgiven you've done whatever whether it be God yourself people whatever but the Lord wants you to know that he's fixing to take you to a new aspect of redemption and restoration for that loss and it's specifically for that great loss and I don't have any idea what it is but I just want you to know that you're leaving leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> See, my mind goes all over the place. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, you're leaving the ex those things, the pain and all that behind. And because you've made a choice to do that, Father wants you to know that he's taking you into a season of restoration. I just keep hearing large. Those that were here to today know the definition of large. Large is, the definition of large is the maximum amount that a container can hold. And actually, it means more than the amount. And so, Father wants you to hear the word large. Large. There's a large restoration coming your way. You, you just keep, it's yours. It's, it really is yours. Let me know. They've got my email and personal. Let me know what, what that is and when it happens. And, Father, we just want to say thank you for that. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's God's heart for us. He's looking way back in time somewhere in her life. And his heart for her is, I haven't forgotten that. Even though you might have forgiven, you may have done whatever, he still hadn't forgotten that moment and that place in time. 
And so restoration, redemption, all those great R words are yours. So, okay. So we really need to get into this. So how do we find our way home? Number one, we've got... No, if you could fast forward past those charts. You had to be here this morning for that. If you didn't get all that, you might be an orphan if you have to go get the book and all that, but it will help explain to you. So if you could go past that and start with finding our way home. Truths to follow. Okay, here are the truths that we can follow. Listen, guys, this is not um, the only truths to follow. This is just things in our life that we have come up with that if you'll embrace these truths... And if you could go back and put them up one at a time, that would be great so people aren't distracted. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Number one, then, how do, we, how do we, what is the truth to find our way home? What is it we can do to experience a homecoming? Jack Winter wrote a book on the homecoming, and I love that book because we're all looking for a homecoming, a place to where we just know that we're loved and valued. Number one, Introduce the orphan mindset to love. Again, you cannot cast out an orphan heart. It's not a spirit, in my opinion. It's a heart attitude. So, since it's not a spirit, how do you do it? You, the goal is to change what the orphan mindseted person thinks. Right. If you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, are you an orphan? No, no sir, you're a son, you're a daughter but you may be thinking like an orphan and your heart may be so wounded. And I love to clarify that for people. You may be so wounded that sometimes you wonder about your sal salvation. Just let you know, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you're going to experience all eternity with him. That's a good thing. Just leave some of your booger behavior at home <laughs> on this earth. All right, number two. Sometimes in order to experience a homecoming, we have to forgive our earthly parents for misrepresenting Father's love to us. Were they perfect? They've got some learned behavior of their own. And so, any of you in here never been wounded by a parent? If I see one hand go up, I'm going to call you a liar. <laughs> we all have been hurt and wounded by our earthly parents and by our spiritual parents. There's not a person ever that's not been hurt and wounded by a, per by a parent. So how we forgive them for misrepresenting God's love to us. Somebody in here tonight needs to hear this. Forgiveness does not mean you forget. Forgiveness, I had somebody tell me one time that I hadn't truly forgiven somebody because I couldn't forget what they had done to me. Well, then you get in my head and tell me how to forget it. Because I honestly don't know. But what I can do is whenever the memory comes back up, I know what to do with the memory now. Right. So, um, so forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. It means you make, your, you make a choice to let go of your identity being formed out of the brokenness or the woundedness. No longer, no longer is my identity being formed out of the woundedness of what somebody else did to me. I know, it's, this is great stuff. Even if we did come up with it, it's great stuff. Actually, Jack Winter came up with it and gave us start. We just kind of improved on it. So, here's the deal. No forgiveness, no sonship. <gasps> That's condemning, Trisha. Uh-uh. The Bible says if you withhold forgiveness, uh-oh. Forgiveness will be withheld from you. So, we don't want to do that. 
Psalms 45:10 um, and 11 says this. Sometimes you got to forget your people in your father's house and desire the king and his beauty and bow down to him and only him. I love that. All right. So we have to forgive, but you don't understand. You don't know what my mama did to me. You don't know what my daddy did to me. Some of you were here last night and heard the story about the, the child that was raped every night by her father and her two brothers. Every single night. How do you live in that? How do you forgive that? Well, I've got a story that's almost just as good as that one. We were in Charlotte one time doing a, an unbound, back then we called it Breaking Free, an unbound seminar. And by the way, we've got a school coming up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, if any of you are interested. Come to Myrtle Beach for a week and hang out with us and, and go to, a, we, we only do one-week schools. And we, you know, focus on a, uh, just a topic. But anyway, so there was this lady in our meetings, and um, we were going through some of these points, and she was just like, I can't do that. I can't forgive my mom. And I go, why not? And she came up to the altar and she goes, when I was a little girl, my stepfather abused me and, we, and all this kind of stuff happened. I won't go into the details. But she said, I told my mom about it. My mom kicked me out. My mother didn't defend me. And kicked me out and told me that if I ever come back to her house, see in the South, we come locked and loaded. And the women do. And so her mom said, if you ever come back to this house again, I will take my shotgun and I will blow your head off. Isn't that horrible to talk to your child like that? But it happens. Those are mild stories compared to some of the stories I've heard. And so anyway, she heard this teaching and she thought, how am I going to do that? So her mother lived in a manufactured home, and, and a lot of times in the South, we put fences all the way around our homes, front yard and backyard. And so she got this teaching, and she just felt like she had to go and ask her mom to forgive her. Now, that's crazy. The mom did this, the father did this, but yet she responded with an orphan mindset. She responded with hatred, and she responded out of her woundedness instead of the forgiveness that Jesus offers everybody. And so she, she forgave her mom that night at our meetings, but then she had to go and, and talk to her mom. So she went and she knocked on the gate and her mom come out, sure enough, with her shotgun locked and loaded, telling her, if you come in, if you open that gate, I'll blow your brains out. And so the daughter looked at her mom and said, Mom, if you'll give me two minutes... I promise I'll leave you and I'll never come back, but give me two minutes. And the mom said yes. And in that two minutes, that young woman was able to take ownership, not for what the mom had done to her. She took ownership for how she responded with hatred. And she didn't attack her mom. And she didn't say, but mom, when you did this, if you hadn't have done that, she said, mom, you remember when this happened? I want to ask you to forgive me for how I responded to you. And the mom dropped the shotgun ran out and embraced the daughter. And they cried and cried. And the mom asked the daughter to forgive her for everything she had done, for not protecting her, for all of this crazy stuff. Now, that's a good story if it ends right there, right? Well, the mother came to our meetings that night and got saved. Now, that's a good, that's a good story if it ends right there. Two days later, the mother drops dead. Oh, my gosh. If she hadn't have been in the meetings that night, she would be in hell today. See why it's so important to always live your life 
in these in these patterns and these truths so that you can always experience a homecoming and number three ties into number three two asked earthly parents to forgive you that's what that young woman did she asked she took responsibility for her part not for what i mean there's truth to what people do to us people there really and truly is but we can't we can't deal with them. We can only deal with our part, with the stuff that's going on inside of us. So there's a thing in our books called the Ministry of Restitution. Some of you need to look at that because if your actions have hurt someone, then maybe you need to go to that person yourself and make that right. And there's a whole thing of how do you make restitution when you know you've deliberately sinned against someone. Number four, focus your life upon being a son or daughter. You know, here's, Jack Winter told me this years ago, and I love this. Did you know that Jesus was not the son he was because he was Jesus? I never thought about that. Jesus was the son he was because of the father he had. That'll change your relationship. Jesus was the son he was because of the father he had because the word tells us in John 5, 19, Jesus couldn't do anything except what he saw the father do. What did he see the father do? Wash the disciples' feet. Feed the 5,000. There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible that Jesus saw the Father did. Jesus was a son in right relationship with his Father. I want to be in right relationship with my daddy. John, well, I already said all that. Number five. Number five. Forgive spiritual or government authorities and seek forgiveness for those in authority. Sometimes... We have to go to those people that have wounded us and ask them to, to forgive us, especially spiritual authorities. Anybody in here? Hold on. Anybody in here never been hurt by your pastor? <laughs> of course we have, and maybe you've had another pastor. I'm not saying, you know, that this is the pastor we're talking about. But... Sometimes we have to forgive the spiritual and governmental authorities that have hurt and wound us, or we can stay stuck in that pain. And we can repeat that cycle, that cycle of pain. In my book, Unbound, there's also a cycle of healing and what that looks like. Um, number six, seek forgiveness from those in authority. You know, sometimes we need to take ownership for our part and why we don't connect with spiritual authorities. And there is truth in that. Not too long ago, I, I, was, uh, oh, I was ordained a Salvation Army minister. And then when we left the Salvation Army, because we just, Salvation Army is a wonderful organization, but we just wanted to be more pastoral care and not the social arm. And so we left the Salvation Army and we joined another ministry group. And that ministry group asked me to be the first woman that they ever ordained they had started about five year, years previous and they wanted me to be the first woman that they ever ever have ordained and I was like wow you know I have my degree in Bible school and I was honored at that and so I was ordained and and we had these quarterly meetings that we went to all the time and I was at one of these meetings you know and you know how that is, we pastors' wives, we've got to be the best dressed one, you know, we got to whatever, and, you know, it's just kind of one of those kind of meetings where we're constantly in competition with each other. And I had just gotten a hold of the revelation of this message, and I thought, I'm done with that. 
I'm not going to be that person in the pastor's meetings anymore. I'm going to go in there and just see how many pastor's wives I can just love. And just, you know, be that place where they don't feel rejection. But anyway, so I'm in this meeting. The speaker was great. And I didn't even know this, but the speaker talked on the revelation of the Father's love. Moi. You know, that was awesome. That's right down my alley. So I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to everything the speaker says. And I'm just amazed. And so when he finished, he finished. There was no prayer. There was no father blessing. There was no mother blessing. It's just, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, there are three father figures in this room that are my spiritual fathers that have never blessed me. I'm remembering what Jack Winter had done for me. So they went into question and answer time. So I waited. Everybody asked their questions, and they were all answered, the two questions that were asked. And my heart bumped a bump a bump. You know that's the Spirit of God when your heart you feel like you're going to have a heart attack if you don't raise your hand and ask permission to say something. So I raised my hand, and I simply mentioned how awesome that this was and what had been, you know, released. And I just raised my hand and said, would you mind, would y'all pray for us? There are three father figures in this room. Would you guys pray for us and bless us as your sons and daughters? Anything wrong with that? You think anything's wrong with that? I didn't think anything was wrong with that. Now, I do know that in that meeting, before the speaker got up to speak, that there was a transition between the father and the son. In other words, the son was installed as the new head of our fellowship. But we had taken care of all that kind of business, and that was wonderful. The speaker spoke, and then I'm just like, I just want to be blessed. I know the power of the father's blessing. And so, for the next two hours these were all senior pastors for the or heads of ministry for the next two hours i was the first one up and i got a guy up there who's the head of the fellowship he's about 80 years old at times so he's giving it up and so he just walks over to me and he didn't even hardly touch me and i just dropped there was no catch or nothing i dropped and he told me later he goes after you dropped that hadn't happened in a while so i just went <laughs> He was real happy about that. But for two hours I was out on the floor. I'd never been out that deeply, you know, by someone that I had judged not to be as spirit-filled as I thought he was. And so when I got out, there was about 100 pastors in that room. When I got up, over 85% of the room was still out on the floor. You know, so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is one of the best meetings I've ever been in. So I get home the next day, and I get a phone call. And the phone call said to me, I cannot believe what you did in the meetings. I'm so ashamed of you. And I go, what did I do? And they went on to tell me how I had disrupted the meetings by asking to be blessed by spiritual fathers and that I needed to repent. Now, this was one of the heads of the fellowship wife had called me to say that to me. And so immediately, if I need to repent, I'm going to go repent. I didn't feel like I needed to repent. But she was telling me, she was a spiritual authority, she was telling me to repent. So I call up the bishop, and I tell him, I said, Bishop, would you please forgive me? I am so sorry that I disrupted the meeting, da, 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 da. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, well, well evidently I was out of order, and I asked you and everybody else to, to pray for us and bless us, and I just want to ask you to forgive me. And he says, why are you saying that? 
He goes, did you not see what happened for the next two hours? And I said, well, you know, I didn't tell him who. I just said, I got a phone call this morning, and, and I was told I needed to repent, and I was out of order, and da-da-da-da-da. And um, he said, who called you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I could tell him. That's an orphan mindset. I could have taken that person out of favor with the bishop. And I told the bishop, I said, you know, he's my authority. I said, you don't need to know that. I just want you to forgive me. And he goes, well, Trisha, I'll forgive you, but you didn't do anything. And so I said, well, that's fine. I'm acting like a son. I'm done, right? Well, as soon as I get off the phone, the Holy Spirit spoke to me again and said, you need to call the son now. I'm going, really? What is your problem, God? Did you didn't see what I did? You know, some of us argue with God when the Spirit of God's trying to tell you to make something right. Got off the phone with Bishop, and I called his son, and I did the same thing. And his son goes, are you kidding me? Did you not see what happened? Who, who called you? And I'm sitting there going, I didn't have the heart to tell him it was his wife. And I didn't. And I just said, you don't need to know. I just asked you to forgive me. And I see, you know, I did it right first time. Can I, can I do it wrong the second time? You know, did I have to redo that? No. And so I asked him to forgive me. He forgave me. And he said, I don't understand. I don't understand, Tricia, why you feel that way. But I forgive you. And I bless you. But you were not out of order. But what you did by calling me shows me that you are submitted to the mission that Father God has given us in this fellowship. And you know what happened after that? As a result of that, you know what happened? The exposure to, to Shiloh Place after Jack died began to increase because I wondered what was going to happen. I was right in there with those people saying, you know, it might die and it'll be all her fault, and da, da, da. And I wondered what would happen. And after that day, I was told by world leaders that I'm one of the most courageous women they've ever met. And then I was told Charisma Magazine, you guys know, y'all may not know who Charisma Magazine is. Charisma Magazine called me, and they were doing their 100-year um, celebration of the, of the Assemblies of God in the magazine. And they, were, they were, um, had picked 25 of the most influential people in the world that they felt that day. Guess who got the phone call for the interview? That's a lot. One of them, 25? world leaders. So I felt like because, because I obeyed the Spirit of God and I chose to live like a son, like a daughter, instead of like an orphan-minded person, Father God released, <coughs> excuse me, Father God released the exposure to Shiloh Place from that day forward. After I got that phone call, I felt like I was on the cover of People magazine. <laughs> Guys, it's not pride, it's destiny fulfilled. And Luke 6.22 tells us, every time somebody comes against you, count your blessings. As an orphan, you're going to focus on what they say. As a son, you're going to count your blessing that you can act like a son, that you've been given an opportunity to know who you are and live from that place. And I'm, you know... What about the pastors that did that? You know, the, it was more the one lady that called me, she only called me because two other pastors called her. And what about those pastors? They just had an orphan mindset. I could have taken the whole group out if I had wanted to. But that's self-deception at its finest. 
and I just made a choice not to do that. So I chose to act like a son, daughter, and forgive. Forgive people in my life that had done that. And the funny thing was, is one of the pastors that had done that, I, this is crazy. He listed me as a character re reference, and his new boss called me. You're kidding me, right? But you know what I did? I asked the new boss, I said, you know, I don't want to tell you what all this person is not. Why don't, why don't you ask me what are his strengths, and I'll give you his strengths, and I'll give you one weakness. And I did not use what the guy had done against me. I, I just gave his weakness. And again, hey, I was released into a new place, a new position of anointing and authority that day. Number seven, the seventh truth to find your way home. Daily renounce ungodly beliefs and hidden lies. We all have them. You know, if you're, God didn't create junk. You are not junk. You have a destiny. You have a future. And if the enemy's coming against you and trying to tell you you can't, you should, you wouldn't, whatever it is, we have to daily, daily denounce those things. It is a process. Because the Word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart. You got it. So how are you thinking? You know, you might have to deal with some orphan thinking. Sonship thinking is knowing that you've got a safe place in your destiny and that you're loved unconditionally. And so at the end of all this, I choose life. I choose courage. And God has sent these amazing people around me. I have an amazing family. I have an amazing board. I have friends. I have world leaders. Again, if you don't buy my book, Unbound, buy it for the endorsements. Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife out at Bethel, she said, Trisha's the most transparent person I've ever met. This was the endorsements out of that book. Um, Bill talks about us being some of the most heroic people. He says that our book is a handbook for healing. John Arnott said that Trisha, not Jack, this is Trisha. Trisha is a champion of leaders in the body of Christ. Me? Moi? Really? This is what people are saying, not just to my face, but behind my back. John, well, Leif Hecklin, I don't know if y'all know who Leif Hecklin is. He's amazing. He's one of our spiritual sons. Leif was in my home 15 years ago, ready to give up on life. So I love Leif. And we just helped him understand his orphan mindset, and now he teaches that. But Leif said this about me in the book. He said, Trisha is one who causes senior eagles to soar. And you get to meet me. <laughs> honest to goodness it's better to live life this way I am not conceited I am not arrogant I'm just a, a woman living her destiny with courage guys I hurt just like you hurt I have to go through things I have my own process that I have to deal with just like you do I have not overcome everything but I daily renew my mind and take the orphan thoughts captive and replace them with a heart of sonship. And the last one is sow into your inheritance. So in, well, there's one more. Number eight, sow into your inheritance. And number nine, then you can enter into your inheritance. Sow into your inheritance, Galatians 6, 6, and I'm going to cover that because I think Pastor Ian did a really good job tonight. Sow into, if somebody has spoken life into you, then you need to sow into that person. You know, it starts here at your local church. 
Your tithes go to your local church. Don't you send me your tithes. If you had a good weekend, don't you put your tithes in the offering. You, your tithes go in your offering because that's the problem with, with conferences is sometimes people use their tithe. If you don't have any offering to give, that's all right. God will bless you anyway. You give your tithe to your local church. God will take care of me. And I'm not just saying that. I believe that. But anyway, Toronto changed my life. And real quickly, because Toronto changed my life, we didn't have any money at that time. And But God spoke to us about sowing into the revival in Toronto. Five, anywhere from three to 8,000 people were coming through there for the first eight, nine years of that. That was an every night experience. The revival went on for like 20-something years. But still, for eight years, it was that many people. Can you imagine the maintenance that had to happen in a church. Could you imagine that if you guys had to do that here, host the world? Oh, my gosh. So we asked the Lord, Lord, we don't have any money. What can we sow? And the Lord told us, it's the funniest thing. He said, I want you to buy toilet paper for the revival. There was a lot of crap going on up there. <laughs> don't you love God's sense of humor? So we would send a check. You know, we would send a check at the end of every month. We, we're ministry. We tithe. I believe that ministry should tithe. We sent a check for $500 every month, and we set a little sticky pad on there, and we said, buy toilet paper. And the, the administrator of the revival, Steve Long, he still talks about, he'd get my check, and he'd see the little note, buy toilet paper, because there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of crap that needed to be cleaned up up there. And number nine, enter into your inheritance. Family members will get saved because of the choices that you make to live your life as a son. Family members will get saved because of what you do today. I see it happen all the time. We hear testimonies. Like I said, Leif, I love Leif. Fifteen years ago, he testifies about this. He was in my home about ready to give up on his family, on his marriage. And God just, just used our lives to just convince Leif that he was a son. Forever changed his life, and now he travels all over the world. In Pakistan, I forgot the last count. He's led over, he's, it's been well over a million Muslims to the Lord now. I get credit for that. I do. I'm not looking for that credit. I'm just so thankful that Leif was a part of our life at one time. These are things that will happen in your life, guys. Again, it's not pride. I just want to live my destiny like that. You can live your destiny like that. You want to? You want to come home? Even if you're saved, you want to come back to a safe environment? So here's what we're going to do for ministry time. If it's okay with you guys, you don't have anywhere else to go on Saturday night, do you? Would you like to have a little fun? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to watch a video real quick. You're going to love this video. You guys know who Wren Collective is? You younger? Oh, my gosh, aren't they awesome? We're going to watch a, a video by Wren Collective. And then what I'd like to do, I brought my chick stick tonight. This is my brooding stick. I just love this thing. Just go around and beat the floor, you know, just stir up things. But what we want to do tonight, we want to play limbo. Y'all like limbo? How low can you go? You can go pretty low whenever you're humble, can't you? So I need two strong guys. Can I borrow, can I borrow you? Another strong, you? You mind doing that? All right. So what we're going to do, another strong guy. Can y'all move that table for me? Well, wait a minute. My water bottle doesn't have the lid on it. Thank you. 
All right, we're going to stand up here like this. You're going to be on one side, and you're going to be on another side. And I believe in prophetic activations and declarations. And so tonight, what we're going to do, I'm going to ask the pastors if they would come and stand on this side. And real quickly, and I'll tell you in a minute, if y'all just come up here and stand. I didn't warn them, you know. I'm just asking. They'll have to forgive me. I didn't ask for permission. Over on this side... I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to ask Marlene to come up here with me because we understand the orphan mindset. And what we're going to do is we're going to get up, and we're going to go across the room, and we're going to come this way, and we're going to enter this stick. And when we come across, I do this a lot, when you hit here, you're honestly going to feel something happen. You're going to leave your orphan heart here. I'm not saying you're not going to ever deal with orphan issues, but you're going to come home. And who better to welcome you home than mom and papa? So you're going to come home, and all you do is just bless them. Just say, welcome home. You know, just welcome home. We're not going to prophesy over you. You've already had that. We're just going to break off the orphan mindset, and we're going to do it as a prophetic activation. that okay with you guys? But what I want you to do first, anybody in here feel like you're spiritually, maybe not dead, but just kind of, you know, I think maybe some of us just need a, a jump start. And so what I want to do, we're going to play this video with Ren Collective, and then when y'all hear the song start playing after the video, there's going to be a song that we're going to play called Great Big God. And then when that happens, if y'all just start, and we're just going to try to do this as fast as we can tonight. Is that okay? You guys okay with that? Let's play the video. Existing is just breathing, but living is breathtaking. Existing is. Yeah, good. I love this video. Have y'all seen this? It's Existing is just breathing, but living is breathtaking. Existing is just a beating heart, but living is a racing heart. I don't want to just exist. I want to live alive. 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 Don't want to live alive. Don't
of every dream you placed inside. Oh yeah, there's a curse that is caused in pain. There's a purpose in the furnace flame. purpose in the furnace flame there's a purpose courage is birth there are you ready you ready we're gonna do this tonight okay come on i want you to get excited about it let's get that song going 